Excellent. We're in progress. Uh, well, thanks, Obi and Peju, for your introduction there. Um, did you want to add anything to what you, who you are, what you do? I think we've just been here a really long time and we're still here. Still here. Uh, maybe that's the reason we're tasked with a class about resilience. Uh, we're too stubborn to go away or something like that. Uh, but it's uh, it's a great privilege to be able to do this. Uh, do you want to talk about resilience, the definition, before we get going? Well, resilience has been one of those words that's been bandied around a lot uh, in recent years, and especially in the pandemic, and the idea that we all need to be able to get through and be resilient. Uh, and there's a load of different definitions, but this is just one that I pulled out from the Cambridge English Dictionary. Resilience is the ability to be happy, successful, etc. again, after something difficult or bad has happened. Or it's the ability of a substance to return to its usual shape after being bent, stretched or pressed. So I think what we feel like is th this is a class that, you know, you, you could have 10 classes here and on mental health and on, and on resilience and the connection. But it seems to us that although there are many aspects to uh, good mental health, resilience is a key and essential component of developing greater mental health strength um, over the years and, and being able to recover from the, the things that knock us, which inevitably life does, whether you're a person of faith or not, uh, life has its challenges. So, uh, and for those of us of the Christian faith, you know, when you think about uh, people from the scriptures, um, all of them had setbacks. Some of them were failures of their own making. Some of them were just things that happened to them. A person like Abraham uh, or Jacob or Isaac or Moses, or especially perhaps David, uh, they, they had their, their challenges. And so much of their ability to be useful to God and useful in their society, the people around them, was about their ability to bounce back, that bounce back ability, that resilience that they either had innately to some degree or they developed through the experiences that they went through. So that's what we're looking at here today. And of course, Penny and I, we've had our own challenges with uh, tough times, um, some again outside our control and some just internally, um, emotionally. And I've been through periods where depression has, um, I wouldn't say been my friend, but it's been my constant companion uh, for periods of my life. Um, and periods of, of counseling have helped with that kind of thing. And many other things have helped. But I just want to say that, you know, when we're talking about issues of resilience and mental health, and some of us on this call doubtless have struggled with these things, or we have people close to us who've struggled. We're not pointing a finger. We're not uh, making a judgment on someone's um, intelligence or, um, uh, or, or spirituality or value as to whether we uh, feel like we're quite resilient or struggle with it or feel like we have good mental health or we feel we don't. So it's not about judgment here. Uh, so what I thought we might do, because this subject's so broad, we're going to break this into, um, what, two sections mainly. I'm going to first of all tell a story because I think sometimes when we deal with concepts, it's a bit difficult to make it our own and apply it to ourselves. So I'm going, to, I'm going to use a story from the scriptures, from the life of Elijah. We're going to be in the Old Testament, as we call it, 1 Kings 19. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, we see Elijah. And I'm going to go through his story of his situation there. 
not to say that it's a blueprint for everybody's situation regarding resilience or mental health. It's not about that. Uh, the answers to all the challenges we have are not in this story, uh, but it's more like a more like a case study, a case study and a story in three acts. So those acts are you've got act one, act two, and act three. And act one is run away. Act two is let's hide. And act three is ah the light comes on. So that's what we're going to look at here. Now I'm going to have to do a bit of summarizing for the sake of time. So let me just say this about Elijah. He's a prophet of Yahweh. In chapter 18, he has one of those high points in his life. You know, we all have those, some great victory, whether it's personal or to do with work or anything else, but he, he has this incredible, literal mountaintop moment on Mount Carmel, where Penny and I, we've been about three years ago, we were on Mount Carmel in Israel, and you stand up there on the top of this mountain, you can see around Mazarat, and Elijah had this moment where he single-handedly defeated hundreds of his enemies. I mean, just he himself. It's like some mega Marvel movie. So he has that high mountaintop moment. And then in the beginning of chapter 19, he's told that somebody wants to kill him. Now, he's had hundreds of people willing to kill him, but now he has one person, and he's in a different place now than he was on that mountaintop moment. And he gets this threat from someone called Jezebel. And... Um, and it says in verse three, he was afraid and ran for his life. He was afraid and ran for his life. He had a failure of nerve, you could say. He became overwhelmed. He felt he couldn't cope. And he runs away. And he goes to a place called Beersheba in Judah. He leaves his servant there. So he wants to be alone. We have those moments. We like the darkness. Sometimes darkness is our friend, as Simon Garfunkel said, uh, which dates me rather but anyway, so that's him. He's wanting to run away. He goes another day's journey into the wilderness. So he's in the wilderness, comes to a broom bush, sits down and prays. And what is his prayer? Not God rescue me, but he prays that he might die. I think most people at some point, at least once in their lives, wish that they were dead. And I don't mean that in a joking way necessarily. I mean, there are tough times for us all. And it does seem like death is a, a good option at times with the challenges we have. I've had enough, he says, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So that's that's scene one, confrontation, overwhelmment, retreat, run away, hide, wants to die. Who hasn't been in that situation? If you haven't, you will be. That's life. Act two. Act two, we get an angel coming on the scene. And the angel touches him and, and says, get up and eat. And not only does he say get up and eat, but he provides the food. He gets up there by his head with some bread, baked over hot coals. So there's a fire, so there's warmth, there's bread and a jar of water. So the angel says, come on, I, I can help you here. And he provides and he gets up, eats, drinks, and then he lays down again. Why? He needs more rest. His first rest was because of overwhelmment. I think his second rest is more, okay, there's a bit more some hope coming into the story here he is hiding but someone's come in to uh, give him some help uh, the angel of the lord comes back a second time so leaves him alone because he needs some space sometimes we need space but comes back a second time touches him again so it's that personal physical contact there's a, a compassion going on here uh, get up and eat the journey's too much for you he knows 
that what's ahead is going to be too difficult unless he's rested and provisioned enough. So eat and drink some more, strengthened by the food. He travels 40 days, 40 nights, which is a long journey, until he reaches Horeb, the mountain of God. There he goes into a cave and spends the night, a bit more rest again after a tough journey. So we've got, what have we got here? We've got him in the wilderness. We've got him stuck. He's stuck until the angel comes. And we've all felt stuck at times in our lives. He gets sleep. He gets rest. He gets food. He gets warmth and comfort. He gets kindness shown to him by somebody. And then, then there's the promise of maybe there's a, maybe there's a way out of this. So act three, we're in the cave. And in the cave, God comes to speak to him directly. And he asks him what he's doing here which I think is a very gentle way of drawing out what Elijah is feeling, what's really going on inside. He's not been ready to deal with this until now, but now he's able to be open, uh, vulnerable. He's able to express. Perhaps he didn't even know what was going on before now, but after a passage of time and some rest, he's able to talk about what's inside. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they've rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your all prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. They're trying to kill me. So this is his view. It's not all accurate, actually, but he is talking about what's really going on inside, and he's being honest with God. So the honesty thing is very important here. And God says, okay, we'll go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. I'm about to pass by. He goes out there. There's a powerful wind shattering rocks. The Lord's not in that. There's an earthquake. No, that's not the Lord. There's a fire. No, the Lord's not in the fire. And then there's a gentle whisper. I love this. Gentle whisper. Again, it's a kindness thing. It's approaching Elijah in a way that Elijah can handle some truth and gain some perspective and find a future. Gentle whisper. Elijah hears it, pulls the cloak over his face because he feels unworthy. I think he's still, you know, he's in his place of guilt and shame. He goes out, stands at the mouth of the cave, and the voice says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Second time, Elijah gives the exact same speech, and then God says, God doesn't actually correct everything here. Again, gentleness, I think. But he says, well, go back the way you came. Because there's hope now, there's a direction. Uh, he tells him, when you go where I'm sending you, anoint a new king, um, anoint another king, and anoint a new person to succeed you as prophet. So your work will go on, is what he's telling him. And Jehu's going to sort some things out. Hazael, this other person, will sort some things out. Elisha will sort some things out. It's not all up to you. You're going to be part of a team now. And I reserve 7,000 other prophets. So he's saying, you're not alone. There are 7,000 others along with you at the very least. And so we have, we have him able to voice his reality. I think this is very important for developing resilience and finding good mental health. He's voicing his reality. God is not judging him. Um, and then God helps him to reframe the way he's thinking and, and his beliefs about himself. Go back I have a promise for you. I have a hope for you. I have a purpose for you. You'll have companionship with Elisha. You'll have support by Hazael and Jehu. You've got 7,000 others with you. I'm going to provide what you need. There's a reality check here. There's a sobering. 
but then there is a sense of hope. And this takes quite a while. I mean, he travels 40 days and 40 nights. We don't know the exact time scale here, but it's got to be more than a month. It could be two months altogether. We're not quite sure, but it takes a while. And God is patient. So I think there are so many principles here that are relevant to developing resilience, handling disappointment, shame, guilt, and a sense of darkness and being in the wilderness of being stuck. So that's the story. And now what I like to do is turn it over to Penn to talk about some of the practical things that can help us in these situations. So she, do you want to pick up sure. from there? I, I really like the account of Elijah and I have visited it many times over the years. I think there's this great encouragement in there for us. And those of you who've perhaps looked at resilience before will see some of the important things to, to help us move forward. Um, I'm gonna just reflect a little bit about how this might apply to some of us in our lives. And if we go back to the first, first act um, where he's just completely overwhelmed, he's spooked by a threat and he's got slightly skewed perspective, but he, he flees. And I, there are many times in our lives, and we can probably think of them now when we have felt similarly, and it might be physical illness. It might be, it might be mental illness. It might be relationship challenges, family problems, um, addictions, either in ourselves or in loved ones that we care for. It can be career challenges. And sometimes it's when somebody else that we love goes through a crisis. We might be okay, but somebody really close to us is having a crisis in their own life. And some of this trouble we bring on ourselves, willingly or unwillingly, but sometimes it just happens. And uh, I think we try to find meaning sometimes, but life is what it is and bad things happen to good people. We know that. Um, sometimes the disasters are actually in church and we think church should be that perfect recluse, that that's sanctuary, mm. but you think you found the perfect church ever? Well, church is made of sinners. And, and in some ways, this is what Elijah went through. He, his whole faith, he had to have a bit of a reset because what he thought God should be doing for him wasn't what had happened. So I, I think, you know, identifying these, these walls that we hit uh, when we, we feel like the rug is pulled under from us. That's what Elijah had there. And he, he flies, he, he flies into the desert. And Malcolm's already said about how he's really feeling sorry for himself. And he, he prays to die. Um, you know, he, he felt like he'd done a huge amount of good. This was not the outcome that he expected. And almost like a resentment toward God comes out because things haven't gone like he planned. And, and certainly one of the hardest lessons I think for all of us is that we're not in control of our lives. Mm. And 
we're certainly not in control of God. Um, you know, we can't manipulate God by our prayers. And of course, none of us would ever say that was what we had in mind, but uh, we are human beings. And I think that accepting failure and shortcomings in ourselves and in our life in the face of challenge is always going to be monumental and crucial. Um, and beginning to, to reframe that as an opportunity to grow. We do know that resilient people are able to see failure and learn from it and move on. Um, but unfortunately for some of us, our tendency is to develop unhealthy coping skills. We, we retreat into habits which don't actually help us confront the situation or move forward. And, and if you could Google maladaptive behaviors or um, healthy coping skills, and you will find all sorts of uh, stuff that's been written about this. But essentially what we're saying is we distract ourselves from the agony of what we're going through with other activities, whether it's overeating or alcohol or other substances, TV, hobbies. There might even be some healthy things, but inside we know we're using it as a distraction rather than something that helps us to engage with the underlying problem. Um, we, you know, we mentally, we also make choices. We make a choice to feel sorry for ourselves. Um, sometimes we lie, we lie to others, we cover up, but most importantly, we tend to lie to ourselves when we do that, when, certainly when we blame others. And it's a really difficult place to be when everything has gone wrong and we cannot work out what's happening. I, I like the picture Malcolm's put up of the three little, what are they? Minions. Minions, the that's minions. right. Hiding under the, uh, the manhole cover. Um, and, you know, when we're in that place, we desperately want things to change. Uh, and that's why we might resort to these other distractions. But actually, certainly in coaching, when we're working with people, when we're uh, as in a coaching uh, context, it, it's actually worth allowing yourself to spend some time here, like we see Elijah, because there are really, really key lessons to be learned. And if you try to get out of there too quick before you really have time to learn what's going on, then you just can end up in the same place over and over again. Any time spent on good reflection is not wasted and will often lead to the breakthrough that we need. And it's not just practically in life, but like I said earlier, Elijah was questioning God here. Mm. And some of those big questions we have are really about our faith. Why did we become Christians in the first place? Honestly, I've had to ask myself that question. You know, did I see God as some kind of sugar daddy there to answer my prayers and provide a shield against everything that's harmful? Did I, you know, did I become a Christian because I was looking for glory and an exciting purpose? Well, as they say in any contract, read the small print. These things were never actually promised in a walk with God. And instead, 
there's more valuable things on offer. And, and these are the times when we learn meaning, we learn about honor and we, we learn strength, more valuable things to be had than the sort of the neat, comfortable, safe way out. Easy life, yeah, yeah. So when we're under the manhole cover, or when we're sleeping in the desert, waiting to see what's going to happen, that can be, with God, that will be the journey from shallow to deep, both of understanding of ourselves and of God. We see this in the life of Paul. Paul writes about how, how God's power was made perfect in his weakness. And he also talks about this peace that passes understanding, able to access a peace and a power which you wouldn't have had any other way unless you were in the situation that you're in. Now, some of us perhaps are more naturally this way, some of us are not. And so if we move into act three, the light bulb moment, I'm just going to share about some things which, again, you can read about this. If you look up resilience and you look up resilient habits, then you may well find something that you've perhaps not tried already. So we'll go into sharing a few tips. These aren't comprehensive, like they cover everything, but just a few things that we found helpful. And then hopefully after that, we can have a bit of time for questions and discussion if we if you have enough time for that. So um, this, these will summarize the uh, ideas. Do you, you want to carry on? Yeah, sure. And if you're wondering, the picture is Elijah. And this is Rembrandt? Quite possibly um, <laughs> an old, old painter bloke. Yes, some, some old painter. Yes, I think possibly Rembrandt. But you can see the angel there being kind. You know, he's dazed, he's puzzled, but the angel has put some bread mm. there and is trying to comfort him and help him out. So anyway, so we've got some coping skills, um, developing coping skills. When we're acutely stressed, what do we do? Uh, there's a, a website that I like called Very Well Mind, and that's about finding healthy ways to take care of yourself. Um, it might include exercise. There's about taking care of ourselves physically. There's also about taking care of ourselves emotionally. And, and it's really important that you have something to do when you're really stressed. Otherwise, it's just too easy to reach for the packet of digestives and eat the lot or whatever. Learning to reframe. You know, God reframed Elijah's thinking. He put a whole new spin on it. Mm -hmm. And the ability to look at our problems and see them as an opportunity to learn and to grow is really important. We, we may not be able to do that on our own. Mm -hmm. It may be that we're able to find that when we talk through things with safe friends and helpful people in our lives, which is the social support um tip there yeah well, i i would say just to add to that i think that some of the counseling that i had a few years ago now was very helpful uh 
locally where we live here in Watford, in the Watford Church, we have uh, one of my best friends is Charles, and I find talking things through with him very helpful. Sometimes with my own father as well. Uh, he's got obviously a wealth of life experience. So having some people, some people that are, you, we believe truly listen, is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah, learning, learning to look at things from a different angle. Um, I was privileged to spend a little bit of time with uh, Kazita Anning. Some of you might know her. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, Kazita had a major breakdown many years ago, and it changed her life. She spent months in hospital. And seeing her recently, she's now working uh, in the NHS as a peer support uh, for people with mental health challenges hmm. and she shared with me about how she's learned to describe what happened to her um, as going from a breakdown to a breakthrough and I uh, you know that to me is is the epitome of, of reframing and we can't always reframe things straight away sometimes that takes time I think also about giving yourself permission to learn new skills so we can get really frustrated and stuck with things that we butt up against time and time again that are, may not be our natural gift. And some things we're going to have to learn. I have to learn to cope with IT. You know, you can't, can't manage in the modern world with the most basic things without learning that. I was a bit sobered at work when I realised I was getting a reputation for getting uh, angry and upset about IT um, when uh, one of the other partners sent me a gif of somebody throwing a computer out of a window. Um, and, and I sort of had to give myself permission at that point and to say stop getting so angry and frustrated because then I panic and then you know if I'm stuck with something especially at work then it, it just all goes mad and uh, gets worse and worse but time to say okay we're not doing so well here. It's okay. Let's just learn some things. Let's have a play. Let's find out how to do this. I remember it was it three years ago or something. You what Penny's goal for that year or your resolution for that year was to embrace technology. Yeah. 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 That was a really hard one. But it <laughs> but I have to keep reminding myself, you know, don't it's okay, you know, just, just learn what you need to. And one of the first thing I might also share is. Sometimes it's worth learning a skill that can help you with this kind of thing, resilience issues. So for example, I began exploring coaching a few years ago now, I began reading books and doing a few little online courses. And then this year I did, uh, last year, last year I did um, a solutions focused therapy course and qualified as a, a, a solutions focused therapist. And part of that was for various reasons, but part of it, Part of it's for a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons is that in developing coaching skills, the ability to coach other people, I learn better how to coach myself. And in coaching myself, that helps me with my mental health and my resilience. So sometimes it's more di less direct, sometimes mm. it may be more direct to help us with these issues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and sometimes the most important thing we can learn is that it's time to give something away. Mm that actually this is never going to be our gift yeah. and it's time to give it to somebody else. And um, that's why I pay someone to do my accounts. <laughs> I think I would go completely bananas if I had to do my own accounts. I have to, yeah. 
And that, that kind of knits in with realistic plans. Yeah. I think it's fantastic that, uh, that God comes up with a whole new range of things uh, for Elijah when he to go forward. You know, he gets in the sport he needs to do the things that he's no longer so good at. And, and being realistic about what we can do, recognizing that we can only change ourselves and, and that is going to be limited. Let's be realistic. Even with all the faith in the world, we are who we are. You know, God's not going to necessarily change our underlying personality. We can learn to live with ourselves and learn some techniques, but be realistic. And, and also, I think I would put into that, remember that in tough situations, we can't change other people. Yeah. And sometimes what I've had to learn is, is to let go and let, you know, that person has their walk, that they've got those changes to make. That's their journey. I can pray for them with all of my heart and I can continue to love, but I cannot make them be a different person. I can only look at, okay, what's the best way for me to support them and love them and that's different from how am i going to make them into a different person yeah. last one there is emotional intelligence learning the vocabulary learning to describe how you're feeling learning to pin down those pesky emotions that start out all angry and upset and to pin them down really really important and that might be through your social support or through some professional help or learning new skills, but so much of working with our own challenges is learning how to describe them. I, I read some research that said that if you ask the average man to name emotions, they can only name three. And I don't know how many there are, but there's a lot more than three. So there, there is a need to develop a language. Fantastic. Okay. So we can get the right uh, here we go so um sh i share this um because i think it summarizes a lot of what we've been talking about today uh we've been justified through faith therefore we have peace with god not always peace in our own spirit but peace in our own heart but peace with god through our lord jesus christ there is a state of peace that we have with god no matter how we're feeling we gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand even if we don't feel we stand in grace we do we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We don't boast in ourselves and our strength, our mental strength or our resilience, but in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also glory, strangely, in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. We develop the resilience, we persevere, we persevere, and then we get character, a Christ-like character. And the character gives us hope. There's always a future, further, uh, positive direction hope doesn't just put does not put us to shame we don't live in shame because god's love has been poured out into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us so there's always hope there's always something good coming down the road if we develop that perseverance that resilience uh that god is able to to help us and strengthen us with so we won't necessarily understand our suffering but and, and peace with God does not depend on having the answers to all the reasons for our suffering, but suffering, all suffering, is able to help us grow. And I think that's something to hold on to. 
A few resources you might want to look at, we can put those in the chat or somewhere else. I like the website Mind and Soul run by a, it's a Christian organization. There's a lot of resources for these kinds of issues. Roger Packham recently taught a class in Thames Valley on resilience. It's on the YouTube channel of the Thames Valley, uh, Thames Valley YouTube channel. It's, it's a class uh, for leadership, but it would apply to anybody. I like the books of Gordon MacDonald. I read one a few years ago called A Resilient Life, uh, which I very much like. Um, and his writings have helped me a great deal with these kinds of issues. Penny mentioned the Very Well Mind website earlier. And there are also some resources on my own website. If you go to my website, malcolmcox.org, and look for the mental health, emotional well-being, spirituality section, uh, there's a few things there. And if you've got good resources, I'd like to get them, and I'll put them on the uh, on the site there. So I think that's it. Is that, is that it? Okay, I'll be patient. Back to you. Thank you so much.